thank you for joining our conversation on Wow Whispering. I am your host, Diane A. Curran, and it is delightful to be with you. Wow is spontaneous, open, expressive. Whispering is intimate, still, receptive. In our modern age, moments rush in or away like quicksilver. Do we even make the time to savor a wow or reflect on a whisper to notice and value such gifts? We're ready to do just that with you right now. It is wonderful to be with you again. I have a little surprise for you today. It's going to be you and me. You know, one of the things I love about podcasting is that we can be together no matter how far apart we are on the planet, no matter how many miles there are between us, and no matter how many of us there are, it's you and me. So I thought I'd start a new little segment that I'm going to call The Skies Above. And this segment is going to give us a chance to explore something that I know is fascinating to me and I suspect is fascinating to quite a few other people. And that is what I'm going to call the classic marriage of astrology and astronomy. And why I say it's classic is back in the olden days before, well, before we even quite had the records and the writing and all the knowledge that we've accumulated in the centuries since, there was always a fascination by human beings in how to figure out how to be here on the planet and make life work. And whether you were a shepherd in the fields or somebody growing crops or somebody who was shipping goods in trade across the seas and then eventually the oceans, you were always interested in what was going on in the natural world. You were also always interested in what was going on among human beings because, oh, we human beings are endlessly fascinating to each other. And that is the whisper. And the whisper is we love paying attention to each other and we love something even more, which is trying to figure out what's going to happen next. That could be what's going to happen with the people that you know and love who are in your family, the people that are making a difference and whether you can make a living or you're challenged by that process, and whether or not you can do the thing that you have decided is going to earn you a living. And this has always been so for human beings. So we, we pay attention and we noticed in very early sort of human age that there were many things beyond our controls. The oceans, the weather, the storms, the way the sky appeared. And in earlier eras, there was always a sense that the power in life resided maybe up there in the sky because the sky if you look at it at night and you're outside of the city, these days we actually have to say that because I live in Los Angeles and we almost never get to see many stars because we have so much city light, so much artificial illumination that it obscures the natural darkness of the sky. So the contrast with stars and even planets, we can't see. So back in the olden days, before artificial light, before electricity was discovered, you could see that there was movement of these lights in the sky and it seemed to take a logical path and a logical sequence. Of course, 
the one that was closest to us that moved around in a way that you could not miss, I don't care how good or bad your eyesight was, the moon. And how perfect that I'm launching this on a day when we are going to have a very special full moon. It's called a supermoon, meaning that the moon, we now know scientifically, is closest to the Earth in its slightly elliptical orbit as it sashays around us on a regular 28-day cycle. So when it's really close to the Earth in its rotation, it looks bigger here. And then when it gets further away, and that, by the way, is called the perigee, and the apogee is when it's further away. So we have a close-by-us full moon, and in many different cultures, the moon was named for some aspect of life during that season. And so this one is called the snow moon. Here we are in the, the deepest days of February. February is a short little month, and uh, pretty soon it will be over. But right now we're in the February days where, astrologically speaking, we've just changed signs. In fact, I think in a couple of hours from when I'm uh, talking with you, the astrological sign is going to move from Aquarius to Pisces. Now, what the heck are these astrological signs? Well, back to our uh, shepherd kind of whiling away the hours in the fields and sometimes sleeping in the fields at night, especially if it's warm enough to do so, and keeping track of his or her sheep, um, you could notice that there were certain patterns of those shiny little sparkly lights in the sky called stars, and they oftentimes had patterns. So it came to be that certain recognizable patterns, we know about Orion's belt, there were about a dozen or so constellations, meaning a collection of stars that seemed to move around in a recurring pattern, that were chosen and selected to reflect the months of the year. And the months of the year, again, another human invention, but based on, if you will, this desire for trying to figure out, okay, how do I plan ahead? What do I need to know about the cycles of nature? And how can I begin to predict what's likely to happen in this season when it rolls around next year. And next year, you know, right now we're at the beginning of 2019. So we have a whole series of 12 constellations. And the sequence is, for whatever reason, starts on the first day of spring with Aries, and then goes to Aries and Taurus and Gemini and Cancer and Leo and all these wonderful signs. And right now we've just finished up with the month that we call February, that is Part of February is the sign of Aquarius, and now we're moving into Pisces. So then the whole cycle will start over again. And why that's important is, again, human beings not only love to pay attention to what's going on, and most knowledge is developed just because people observe. And then they create systems, and then they create predictions, and then they have ideas about how life goes. So that helps them make their way in what otherwise could be a bewildering world. And back in the olden days, people were afraid of things like moons that came close or eclipses that seemed to obscure the source of energy and light and daylight, the sun, or obscured the way that the moon looked and gave it a red color when we had a difference in the way the earth, which we now know sometimes is between the sun and the moon and otherwise uh, the moon is between the sun and the earth. So we've got total eclipses, lunar eclipses, partial eclipses, all kinds of things. And all of this was eventually tracked in really distinct and precise record keeping that became known as astrology. Now, originally astrology and astronomy were one and the same. 
In fact, even in the days of Galileo, who many of us know as and think of him as the first astronomer, oh my gosh, the telescope suddenly gave us a chance to do something that we had not been able to do with the naked eye, which is to see further and further away in the sky. So we suddenly had a sense of not only what things we could see with the naked eye, but what's beyond that. So the naked eye gave us a chance to see something that people named the planets. And the planets, that's a, a word that stands for wanderer. And the planets emitted a softer glow because they're not stars. They are chunks of rock rotating around the sun, the biggest star that is in our neighborhood. And each of the planets has a distinctive look to it, size to it, and sequence that it goes what appears to be around the earth. Now, it doesn't go around the earth because the earth, you know, one of the big things that Galileo got in trouble for was, oh my gosh, how dare you say that the earth is not the center of the universe? How dare you say that we, therefore, as human beings, are not in charge of everything and at the source of everything? And therefore, that might be heresy in terms of the prevailing religious sentiments of the time. So that was a big darn deal. He got in a lot of trouble for it. But ultimately, the revolution occurred, the scientific revolution occurred with its fits and starts. And we started to separate out, if you will, the notion of what we now think of as mythology or symbolism from scientific inquiry and observation and experimentation. And that's when astrology and astronomy separated. Eh, some people think they separated for good. And what I mean by that is that people resonate with astronomy from the scientific side of our brain, which we typically think of as the left brain functions. And people resonate with astrology as an example of what I like to call the poetry of living and the symbolism that we think about when we think about the way human beings operate, the fact that we're not all logical beings. We have emotions, we have feelings, we have inspirations, we have intuitions. So we have this element of perceiving life through a lens that we can't always explain logically. We can't always give you facts and numbers to attach to it. We are not simply a collection of mechanical pieces. But what happened was those two worlds separated and people either resonate with one or the other, or as in my case, both. And I love finding out when they come together and when they don't. Well, so fast forward to what are we in the 21st century now, accounting from the time of AD. And that was a, a, a system of calendaring time that is not adopted by all cultures. It happens to be the prevailing Western culture uh, adoption. But now we date things. And so we have a great old time doing things like figuring out when the moon is going to be full and when it's going to be new. And by full, we mean we can see it lit up beautifully in the sky like we'll be doing tonight. Or when it's a new moon, it is invisible to us. And we notice something. When I first started to get interested in the world of astrology, it's like, okay, what is the practical use of astrology? Well, oftentimes it gives you a language for considering, thinking about, analyzing, speculating on human nature. And again, we human beings are fascinated by our very own human nature. And oftentimes what we find is it helps us by studying other people to learn more about ourselves. And we hope be able to live a more satisfying life, a more energized life, 
a more productive life, a more loving life, all those things that we humans aspire to. But what, I'm, what I want to mention is that back when I started learning about astrology, <laughs> one of the things that I came across was the fact that police stations <laughs> oftentimes are a great source of knowledge about what the behavior of human beings is during full moon times and new moon times. And the reason for that is they keep track of things like reported crimes and recorded disturbances and reported ways in which people might be like going kind of out of their heads and behaving strangely and causing public nuisances. And guess what? There's a big old correlation between that happening and the full moon. New moon is known for a time when people have a tough time sleeping. Full moon, they're not even bothered to sleep. They go out there and kind of howl with the wolves. So we oftentimes find that there are correlations in the scientific accumulation of data about human beings and the intuition that was based on a natural instinct for observation, perception, and comprehension and understanding of human beings' patterns. So, of course, I'm fascinated with this. We're going to be talking in these various episodes about astronomy as well. We're going to be talking about Mars exploration and the Cassini Explorer and all the ways in which we now have a way to go out there in our solar system, which we now know that we're a collection of planets rotating around our local sun. We like to explore other things. We're very fascinated these days by the planet Mars because we've managed to land some craft on there, some spacecraft that have gone around like little busy bees and given us new information about water and land and dust and atmosphere and weight and rust and whether our mechanical mach machines even work there, which they do. But, you know, we've got other planets that aren't even as hospitable as good old Mars, and uh, yet we're exploring them. We're rotating around Jupiter. We're rotating around Saturn. In fact, one of the latest scientific stories is that Saturn is going to be losing its ring sometime soon. Now, by soon, I mean in cosmic time, so not necessarily any time in the next couple of years or so, but essentially the planets that we kind of think of as just always being there, and we certainly think of our own planet as always being there, are growing, changing, uh, transforming. We're going to have an opportunity to, and I'm just giving you a little sparkle of introduction to uh, the skies above, and I'm going to have an opportunity to share with you some of the astrological symbolism that comes up at certain times of the month or the, or the season. I'm going to interview some guests. I've got a very special series coming up very soon that you may suddenly find yourself saying, hmm, that's the kind of energy that's impacting my life. I notice that I really sometimes find myself stumbling over life in areas where I'm normally proficient and productive and have things go with ease. So we're going to learn a lot about the nature of what's up in the sky and maybe what's right down here in our daily lives. So thank you for joining me. And I invite you to start noticing the whispers, the planetary whispers, the stellar whispers, the lunar whispers, the solar whispers that may be operating in your life and those occasional big yikes, those splashy wows that show up when you think, oh my gosh, what did I do right today? Everything's coming my way. Everything's lifting me up. What's going on? 
that's causing that to occur? Why are things so smooth and so easy? And I'll just leave you with this little piece of information. And that is that in terms of astrology right now, January and February and through the beginning of March, we have a time which is not very common in the world of astrology where from the point of view on Earth, all the planets appear from Earth to be moving forward in their normal rotation. There uh, are periods that we call retrograde when while the planets never actually go backwards in the sky, from our point of view on Earth, they appear to go backwards under certain conditions. And that's what we call their retrograde periods. Now, oftentimes in the world of astrological tables, um, and they're called ephemerides, we track all that and we can identify when planets, some planets are retrograde, some planets are going forward. And we notice that certain energy is freer and easier and some energy feels more contracted and a little less able to support us easily. But right now we're in an all planets, all systems go mode, which began, let's see what day it began in January. I believe it was January 6th. And so since January 6th, right through March, Fifth, all the planets appear to be in a forward motion on Earth. You may be noticing that the year started out and really moved along very quickly. People are being very protected. They're getting a lot done. Now, whether they're getting a lot done that you like or you don't like, that's up for debate based on your preferences and your ideas of how things should be going and what we should all be doing together as a community of human beings on the planet. But we are in go mode. So I thought it would be a great time to acknowledge that and as I said, tonight and tomorrow, we're going to see in the skies the super snow moon. It's a full moon. Happens to be in the sun sign of Pisces and the astrological sign of Virgo. So why I'm saying it's spanning, normally we think of a full moon as occurring at night on one night and then you see it a little bit uh, on its way to full the night before and a little bit on its way out of full in the night after. But the actual technical time for our full moon is going to be in, in the daytime. So we won't see it at its perfect point of full perfection because it's going to be at 7.54 a.m. And at least here in the Pacific uh, time zone. And I don't know about you, but I am not going to be looking up in the sky trying to you know, blot out the sun and figure out where the heck that moon is because the sun is just too bright at that time of day. So we will enjoy looking at the moon before it gets full and slightly after it gets full and enjoying that Piscean solar energy, which is the energy of emotion and inspiration and this idea of connecting with everybody in a way that is universal and taps into the kind of ideas and elements of the flow of life. But then the full moon is going to be contrasting with that in Virgo and Virgo is an earth sign. It's all about analyzing and identifying and getting very scientific and saying, look, I'm going to collect as much data as I need to be able to draw a valid and inarguable, absolutely perfect conclusion on this or that matter, whatever it is that you're interested in. And so I invite you to enjoy the skies above and we'll see you back here very soon as we wow and whisper our way through the cosmos. Take care. Thank you for being with us on WOW Whispering. In each episode, we present a public service announcement that highlights resources committed to uplifting our quality of life. 
look for the episode show notes, which have links to learn more. Today, we are pleased to feature NCGR, which is the National Council for Geocosmic Research. It is a nonprofit organization dedicated to raising the standards of astrological education and research. Along with its U.S. membership, it includes a growing number of national members and sponsors in 30-plus local chapters in 20 U.S. states and four countries. Its special interest groups foster dialogue on various astrological specialties, and its online education and educational conference bring astrologers from around the world together to grow and learn together. Their sister organization is NCGR-PAA and allows students to leverage their astrological education into professional certification. They welcome new members, and you can find out more about them at their website, which is geocosmic.org. That's G-E-O-C-O-S-M-I-C dot org. Our second organization is NASA, which is the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. We all know NASA as the place to be if you want to know how to get off the planet and find out extraordinary things about, well, the solar system we live in, for starters. So, they're all about the future. So, on their website, they ask the question, what's next for NASA? Well, their vision is that we reach for new heights and reveal the unknown for the benefit of humankind. Thousands of people have been working around the world and off of it for decades, trying to answer some really basic questions. What's out there? How do we get there? What will we find? What can we learn there? Or learn just by trying to get there. That will make life better here on Earth. So what's up immediately in the solar system beyond? Well, NASA is going to add to its existing robotic fleet at the Red Planet, with the InSight Mars lander set to study the planet's interior. The Mars 2020 rover will look for signs of past microbial life, gather samples for future return to Earth, and investigate resources that could someday support astronauts right there on Mars. And they're also going to be sending humans out into the solar system, Moon to Mars, the Space Launch System rocket, is going to be building on the growing scientific knowledge of our solar system, NASA is developing the most advanced rocket and spacecraft to lead the next steps of human exploration farther into space than we have ever traveled before. And then there's the International Space Station. The International Space Station, ooh, doesn't that sound romantic and interesting and kind of overwhelming and definitely a wow all on its own. Humans have already been living and working off the Earth in the one-of-a-kind research laboratory in microgravity. The International Space Station serves as a blueprint for global cooperation and scientific advancement, a destination for growing a commercial marketplace in low Earth orbit, and a testbed for demonstrating new technologies. Research on the station is the springboard to NASA's next great leap in exploration, sending humans into deep space. And they've got even more missions planned about flight, space technology, and of course, Earth. So you can learn more about them at nasa.nasa.gov. So what's next is on their page called nasa.gov forward slash about forward slash what's underscore next. 
www.ghtml.html. But you can go there and find it. And take a look at our show notes and you'll see more. So lots more to learn, lots more to discover. What a pleasure to be with you in the world of wow whispering. As we complete this episode, I invite you to notice the wows and whispers that enliven or challenge as they fulfill life for you in both tiny moments and transforming experiences. I wish you the very best until we meet next time.